Hello and welcome to Movie Culture. Today we are talking about Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. was released in 2001 and is Pixar's fourth feature film. The movie was directed by Pete Doctor! <laughs> if it's been a minute since you've seen the movie, here's a quick synopsis. And if you have seen it recently, we will put timestamps in the show notes so you can skip to the discussion. The movie follows two monsters, best friends Mike and Sully, employed in an energy plant where monsters go into the human world to scare children and turn their screams into energy for Monstropolis. One night, a young girl, Boo, follows Sully back into the monster's world where he tries unsuccessfully to send her home. Sully grows attached to Boo, but Mike is anxious to send her away. As they hide her, they realize that Boo's laughter is even more powerful than her fear. When they try to smuggle Boo back to the human world, they are caught by the evil monster Randall, who reveals his plan to kidnap human children and extract their screams. Mike and Sully tell their boss, Mr. Waternoose, about Randall's plan, only to find that Mr. Waternoose was in on it, and Waternoose banishes them. Sully and Mike return to the monster world, however, and save Boo from Randall in a chase scene through both the monster and human worlds. They defeat Randall, trick Mr. Waternoose into confessing, and send Boo home. In the process, however, they have to destroy Boo's closet door, the portal between their worlds, so Sully can never see her again. A year later, the plant is run by Mike and Sully and generates energy from laughter, not screams. So we just finished watching Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. So Monsters, good. Incorporated. <laughs> uh, love it. This was definitely the movie you were most excited to watch coming into this enterprise. Yeah, I loved it. It's been my favorite movie for so long. And I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, so much fun. Okay, well, let's dive right in. Um, I want to hear about what you liked. I love this world so much. Yeah. There's so much comedy around it being kind of just this mundane workplace mm -hmm. but there's so much joy in the way that they translate regular corporate life into this magical monster world i thought it seemed like such a fun office everyone's high-fiving people seem happy to be there there's like i don't know people have inside jokes it seems like a fun place to work good good workplace yeah yeah <laughs> i also just love the rest of the world too i love what mm -hmm. we get to see about the city when they're just walking down the street and we see kids playing jump rope but it's not just jump rope they're using one of the monster's tongues <laughs> and i love seeing one of the monsters reading a, a newspaper and then he sneezes and the newspaper catches on fire my favorite's when the slime monster falls through the grate. Yeah, but, it's so great. Uh, and they just, they take these elements of everyday life mm -hmm. and they just imagine what would that look like in this monster universe. Mm -hmm. I really like, and this is something that our favorite movie, Zootopia, does also. Uh, because there are monsters of different sizes and scales, they adjust the world in that way, that you have some apartment buildings that the doors are much larger, much smaller. There's a lot of thought put into building this world that is supposed to be a pretty mundane reflection of our own. Yeah. Also, I have a really fun Easter egg 
that, okay, that they put me. in. So when Sully and Mike are just walking down the street in the first opening scene, yeah. they pass by a cafe called Hidden City Cafe. And this cafe is a big part of just the Pixar lore. Okay, is it? This is like a similar to the Pizza Planet truck? No, no, no. Real life Pixar. Oh, okay. So right after Toy Story, legend has it that John Lasseter, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton, and a couple other of the big... Is this the lunch? It's the lunch. Oh my God. So what happened was that they all go to lunch together. They start brainstorming some ideas for new movies. Mm -hmm. And in that one lunch, they come up with Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo. Honestly, great lunch. And they did, it at, they did it at a cafe called... Hidden City Cafe. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what they were eating, but... <laughs> uh, it's such a fun world. Yeah. And we got to do a quick shout out to the whole point of Monsters Incorporated, the company, uh, being a clean energy company. That's aged really well in the past 20 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, were they making a clean energy movie in... What was it, 2001? 2001, yeah. It, probably not, but is it? A it was clearly energy? important to them. I mean, it's great. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. All right, what else did you like? I mean, my favorite part of the movie has got to be the voice acting that Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski and John Goodman as Sully are so good. They're like right up there in the pantheon of best voice actors in in the history of Pixar movies. They're definitely in my top five. Mike Wazowski, <laughs> I don't like everything about his character, mm -hmm. but Billy Crystal, his timing is so good. He's so funny. His jokes just land. And just in general, I thought there were so many parts of this movie that were just laugh out loud. Yeah. They have so much comedy that just comes from the reversal of monsters being terrified of this tiny child. Oh, it's such, it's so good. They get so much out of that. And then on top of that, having these voice actors. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun to watch. I'll also shout out briefly Steve Buscemi as Randall, who I think does a great job. But yeah, it's really Billy Crystal and John Goodman. For me, they're at my number two and number four best Pixar voices of all time. I didn't know that we had rankings, but what is your well, ranking? Well, I've got a ranking. <laughs> okay, okay, what's the ranking? Well, I can, I'll can. i just give a top five because mm. the, the longer one is, uh, you know, it's extensive. Oh, um, well, that'll be a teaser for future episode. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus episode. Number five, I've got Holly Hunter as Elastigirl. Oh, yeah, Great. she's really good. Uh, number four, John Goodman as Sully. Number three, no surprise, Tom Hanks as Woody. Mm. He's got to be on there. Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski is number two. Number two. Number two. Because I really, uh, I, I would love to put him at number one, but I don't think you can beat Ellen DeGeneres oh, as yes. Dory. Yeah. She's kind of got to be, she's got to be number one. Yeah, I, I forgot about her. Also, shout out to Amy Poehler as Joy. Just missed out. Honorable mention. And, uh, and like as a side character, honorable mention, uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Frozone. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where's my super suit? Okay, but I know that she Are is- Are we gonna cut that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we are gonna leave that in. <laughs> Great.
Also, I know that she's just a child, but I, you know, Boo. Oh, Boo is so cute. She's so good. There was some speculation in the Asian community Mm -hmm. that Boo is half Asian. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm just deciding that that is true because it makes me happy. Great. All in. (laughs) I think it is underrated how important it is that Boo is so cute. That really helps Sully make the transition from everyone being so scared of her. And you have to realize so quickly that there's no way to do that. And part part of that's on the voice actors, but also really on the animators. Oh, she's adorable. Yeah. It's just a really, really well done job. Apparently, she was supposed to just have her hair down. Mm-hmm. That was what Pete Doctor wanted. But they didn't have the capability to animate hair down at the time. I so- love how every Pixar movie, it seems at this time, they're getting one new technology. Mm-hmm. But also, they're still so limited by what they can do. Because I think this was the first time they figured out how to animate fur, right? Yeah. So one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. just... The the production side of Monsters, Inc. is that they always say that the hardest part of this movie were equally the fur of the monsters and Boo's shirt. (laughs) And they just say that her shirt was so hard because they didn't know how to do clothes. Uh Uh-huh. The more you know. (laughs) The more you know. Mike Wazowski. What was that? That was Boo. Oh, I don't know. You do it. (laughs) Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. No, that's scary. <laughs> that was a little bit of The Shining. Okay, we're gonna, we have to put in a clip of actual Boo. <laughs> well, hello there. What's your name? Mike Wazowski. And if we're talking about Boo, we got to talk about Randall. I thought that Randall was an excellent villain. Yeah, he was really good. He's so spooky. He is legitimately creepy. What do you think makes him a good villain in this movie? Well, first of all, his character design is so good. I mean, he's this shifty lizard. It's everything reptilian that Mm -hmm. we automatically kind of shudder at. Mm -hmm. Even when he moves, there's that little scuttling sound. Yeah. His power of turning invisible and camouflaging, so you never know where he is. And just the idea of that, that kind of shifty character... Mm-hmm. which translates so well in real life of he will do whatever and he will be wh- whoever someone in power wants him to be in order to climb the ladder. I also think the invisibility really speaks to the fear that kids have about monsters coming out of their closets. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of our fears in general, that we're not afraid of the thing we know, we're afraid of the thing we don't know. Mm-hmm. And with Randall, you never know if he's there or not. If you know that there's something that's going to scare you, that in itself is less scary. Randall turning invisible means that you never know and you've always got to be slightly nervous about if he's going to be there. Yeah, it's so good. And I think that his character also really ties into the theme so nicely. So, Mm -hmm. theme. Yeah, what do you think the theme was? So I felt like the theme was about what we choose to prioritize and how that shapes us as people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So with Randall, we see the dark side of that. We see him prioritizing his own power and his ego Mm -hmm. and how that leads him to do horrible, unspeakable things 
two mm-hmm. children. I mean, for the darkest thing that you can imagine. Abduction? Abduction. And then it seems like sucking out their life force. Yeah. Basically. It was a little unclear about what his evil plan was, but it didn't need to be clearer. Right. And I love that his villainy is not just that he is creepy and he gets in the way of mm-hmm. our heroes. It's that he really embodies how dark a person can go and how dangerous they can be wow. if they prioritize the wrong things. Oh, yeah. Same with the other villain of the movie, Waternoose. Uh-huh. He says multiple times that he will do anything to keep this company afloat. Mm-hmm. And that means, again, kidnapping children and uh, sucking their life force or whatever. It sounds like he, when he says that the first few times, it seems like he's saying that uh, figuratively, that, you know, I do anything, I care so much. And it is a little bit about how sometimes when you say you do anything, you mean you do horrible things. Exactly. And he would and Mm -hmm. does, of course. And what does it mean when your priority is your business? It's making money for yourself. Mm -hmm. And what would you sacrifice to do that? Especially when your business is making money at the expense of other people. Right. Especially people of a different species or race Mm -hmm. than you. Wow, that's a little bit of meta-commentary I wasn't expecting. Ooh, yeah, I like it. I want to keep hearing about uh, the priorities, though. We've heard about the villains. What about the good guys? So I think that, I mean, Sully, it's obvious he cares about Boo. He wants Mm -hmm. to protect her. There's so many themes about parenthood. Mm -hmm. It's a similar idea that we get from Toy Story of this child is the only thing that matters. And Mm -hmm. protecting this child and giving them a good life is the most important thing. And you see him... Uh, have to give up so much in order to have that priority that he gives up his his commitment to work. I think there's an interesting thing at the beginning of the movie where he talks about, you know, he works out in the morning, he goes to work, he's going to come back home and work out some more. And then with the kid, he doesn't work out the rest of the movie. And when he talks about his plan to work out for the second time for the day, Mike tells him there's more to life than the company, you know. Yeah, I really love how how Sully shifts his priorities. And I really love that he does so, so quickly. I think mm-hmm. a problem we've had with Pixar movies, and this is a nitpick, but the, the problem we've had in the first few movies is that our main characters don't shift their perspective till very late in the movie, right? Woody doesn't try to help Buzz for anything but selfish reasons until a really long way into the movie. But I really liked how early in this movie... Sully realizes that his priorities shouldn't be about work. They should be about, about parenthood, I guess, and where that, where that takes him and, and how when his priorities are up against other people's priorities, that causes tension. And I think that that transition only works, like you said, because Boo is so cute. So we believe mm-hmm. it. We don't question, oh, it seems like he changed his priorities really fast. We're like, of course you love Boo. I love Boo. I would do anything for Boo. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, where the hell were Boo's parents? This movie takes place, I believe, over about 24 hours. Yeah, she's just missing. Is Boo a missing child for a day? Also, like, Boo's parents. How do you not love Boo that much? 
What do you mean they don't love Boo that much? I don't know. They're clearly not looking for her that hard. We don't know if they are. Maybe they're only looking in the human world. (laughs) One thing about Priorities that I really loved about this movie, drama is good when you have a protagonist and an antagonist. And that's done well, and both of them want interesting things, but you're clearly on one side. But it's better, and it's so much more powerful when you have two characters who you both really like, who have different priorities that you agree with and identify with both of their priorities and understand why they are coming at it from those perspectives, but those priorities put them at odds with each other. That, I think, is what makes movies really, really thoughtful. And... I think Monsters, Inc. really does that. Sully has this priority of protecting his child, and that's a totally legitimate priority. And that puts him at odds, not only with Randall and Mr. Wagner's who have these evil priorities, but also with Mike, whose priority is not evil. It's just about he wants success and stability at work, and he wants a good relationship with schmoopsy poo. (laughs) He wants his friendship with Sully back. And he wants his friendship with Sully back. There's tension between these priorities and you're not on either side. Yeah, and it feels so real because it's the tension when your friend's priority shifts. Even if it's towards something noble, you can feel them moving away from you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the way they did that was very human. Yeah. I also loved that Mike has a different priority than Sully. His Mm -hmm. priority is his friendship with Sully. Mm -hmm. And they have their fight over the changing priorities. But Mike comes back and he tells Sully, I'm here because I care about you as a friend. And we are in this together. We are always in this together. Mm -hmm. And I loved that it's not that Mike realizes that children are the most important thing. And he has to do this for Boo. It's that he is prioritizing his friendship. And I love that the movie presented that as also a valid priority. And that is a priority that pushes Mike to be his best self. Mm -hmm. I think if it was just Mike realizing how great Boo is and how he needed to be noble for Boo as well, it would kind of be a similar idea to Toy Story of, you know, that's what gives life meaning and that's what we have to care about is the kids. But because Mike's priorities are different, it's a broader idea of our priority should be about protecting and caring for other people. And when you have, when you have that tension resolved through growth, that's when you get characters who are really meaningful and who can teach you something. Yeah. I think there's also a societal level to this theme because we so often think in society that we are right about things and other people are wrong about things. And if other people would just understand that we are right, that that is how you improve. That's how you get what you want, is by arguing your case persuasively. That is true in certain circumstances. And I think in a lot of political circumstances, that's true. But I also think that there is genuine tension from people who have different priorities. And I think that a mindset where you can only see disagreement as opposition as opposed to the potential for collaborative disagreement and collaborative tension, um, I think is pretty destructive. And, and an opportunity for growth. Yeah, and an opportunity for growth. 
I really like what the movie says on that side. Not only does the movie show the characters growing through their priorities and the tension between their priorities, but broader, it can also show us how we societally can grow through coming to understandings with people who have different priorities than us, but also want a good future. Yeah. And the broader society, just the way, I guess, going back to clean energy, mm -hmm. the way that the whole society changes because these characters change and because they prioritize the right things. Yeah. The, the Monsters, Inc. company goes from getting their energy from scaring kids to making kids laugh. Mm -hmm. And the city becomes prosperous. Yeah. I mean, they, Through the power of laughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but they go from having blackouts and an energy crisis to just rolling in energy. Yeah. And it's, it's really... Um, I mean, we were saying commentary on clean energy, which I think makes a lot of sense, but also commentary on what a society looks like when it goes from having corporations with unethical practices to what a society can look like when its corporations are ethical. I love that. And I thought that idea that, you know, laughter is more powerful than fear is a little trite, maybe a little oversimplified, but it is just a fun, small thing in the movie that also has these really deep themes and characters. And if that's another small takeaway, like that's great. And to think, like we talk about all the time, movies that prioritize laughter, both because that is what powers the city better, but also because, like we were saying before, Billy Crystal is so funny and the movie is so funny because of it. Uh, but that world that knows that laughter is the most important is just such a fun world to be in. Oh, yeah. It's a joy. It's just a joy to watch. Now, we've been so positive about this movie, and I think it really deserves it. I'm wondering if you've got anything that maybe rubbed you the wrong way a little bit. <laughs> okay, it can't be joyful all the time. <laughs> all right, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. We already talked about how funny Mike Wazowski slash Billy Crystal is. Mm -hmm. And he is. He has consistently, I think, the best jokes in the movie. Mm-hmm. But there is also a major thread about the physical comedy of the character, specifically him getting consistently hurt and how that makes Boo and other kids at the end laugh. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you feel about the comedy based on other people's pain. Huh, that's really interesting. You know, that's not really how I read it. Um, I think because... There are a number of times that something will happen to Mike, some sort of physical comedy, you know, like he rolls into a trash can and that, you know, that's what makes Boo laugh the first time. And that I don't think is pain comedy. That's sort of just physical comedy. I mean, he rolls into a trash can and then an anvil falls on his head. But if I'm remembering correctly, it's the rolling into the trash can that is what makes Boo laugh. Maybe I'm thinking about this over simplistically, and I think there are different levels to it, but the reason it didn't bother me is because I think a lot of the, the 
pain comedy specifically that happens to Mike doesn't receive a laugh in the movie itself. His foolishness or his his klutziness is what makes Boo laugh. And even though, you know, the painful stuff is is played for a joke, and that's why I'm not really confident on this, but he'll hurt himself to try and make Boo laugh, but but she won't laugh or she won't see it. And because of that, it doesn't feel so direct that his pain in itself is comedy. Although you're right, it definitely is played for as a joke. Yeah, and I didn't know really where I personally landed on that. Mm -hmm. I think for us, we're not laughing at that part. I wonder if those are things that they're thinking that kids will find funny. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And there's definitely a slapstick aspect to it that people really enjoy. And the slapstick is fun. It's just Mm -hmm. this idea that other people's pain is funny. I don't know. I don't want to come out strong enough to say that that's a negative of the movie. I just wanted to bring it up as something that I had a question about. It's certainly something to think about. And I would be really interested what people who are listening think about what in this movie and also in other movies, what are you laughing at and what are you not laughing at? And what makes people laugh at the things they laugh at? I think that's a really interesting thing in lots of comedies. And maybe, you know, Monsters, Inc. is animated. Mike Wazowski is a ball. And we're used to, you know, balls being kicked and thrown and bouncing around. So seeing seeing that happen to him feels normal in a way. But certainly, certainly in live action movies, you know, is it funny when someone falls down, gets something dropped on them, screams in pain, stuff like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Something to think about. Uh, Do we want to talk a little bit about, as we always do, sexism? (sighs) Josh. (laughs) Okay. Just as a disclaimer, I wouldn't have to talk about this every time if they did it better. So, it's not on me. I think that's a really good point. And I just... I just want to reiterate that, that this is not a critique that's being brought up consistently because we are looking for ways to find critiques in movies. Sometimes something is done poorly and it is continuously done poorly. And when we see a Pixar movie or any movie that does gender dynamics well, we'll give it credit for that. But right now, it seems like you think they're 0 for 4. Well, it's interesting, and let's talk about that more. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, why are there only three women that work at the biggest company in Monsteropolis? You know what? I totally did not notice that. There are hundreds of people who work at this company, mm-hmm. and we literally see three women. There's so much more diversity on number of eyes than there is number of genders. Mm-hmm. Is there a single woman on the scare floor? No. It's just a receptionist, a person working in accounting. And an instructor that we see for maybe 10 seconds in the beginning of the movie. You know, that totally went over my head, and I'm really glad you're pointing it out. I also I have to point out that our two female characters in the movie adult female characters, I guess. Aside from Boo. Aside from Boo, who is a child who doesn't actually talk. Mike Wazowski. (laughs) Why did they have breasts? (laughs) (laughs) 
I just, they, Roz is literally a slug. Oh my Roz God. Roz is a slug. <laughs> Roz is a slug with boobs. Yep. There are so many other slugs. Yes. The diversity of body types for all the male monsters is so creative and imaginative. Mm -hmm. And for their two female monsters, they're like, must have boobs. And that is something you see everywhere when you have like gendered inanimate objects that you're just like, oh, we have, you know, a book that's a female book. The book better have boobs. Yeah. Or the ants in Bugs Life. Oh my god, ants with boobs, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Ant anatomy. <laughs> ant anatomy. Yeah, so I wish that they did that better. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I did, I will say that I liked about mm -hmm. the gender dynamics, I really appreciated that Sully's love for Boo, how they show him being a father figure for her and taking care mm -hmm. of her, how that never contradicts his masculinity. Mm -hmm. It never makes him less strong or less of a man. And that's so refreshing to see after how they handled the ladybug in Bug's life. And actually, I would say even goes beyond that, that he shows his strength and dependability in his protection and caretaking of Boo. Yes. And I, I just love that no character ever makes fun of him mm -hmm. for how he's taking care of Boo. Mike gets frustrated because all his attention is going to Boo, but that's completely that's not, different. That's not about being the father of a daughter. Yeah. So credit where it's due. I do think that they handled that fatherhood plotline very well. Yeah, they really did. That. I think that will be my lasting memory of this movie is as a reflection on parenthood and Sully learning about parenthood and coming to understand that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's just the way they do that. They take this whole concept, which is the premise of the whole movie, which is that there are monsters in your closet and mm -hmm. they are trying to scare you, mm -hmm. but they're actually terrified of the kid. Yeah. And Sully's job, he's the monster in the closet. But when Boo comes along and Boo's falling asleep in his house, He's the one who has to check for monsters and show her that there's no monsters there and mm -hmm. protect her. And it's just this beautiful reversal of something that we so associate with parenthood is mm -hmm. this whole, okay, checking in the closet, checking under the bed and yeah. seeing Sully, the monster in the closet, transform into the parent figure. It's great. It's lovely. And one of the things you were talking about before when... They're in the scare simulator and Sully screams and Boo sees him. And then Sully has to comfort Boo, even though he's the one who scared her. And being ultimately responsible both for the positives and negatives of the things that your kids deal with. It really, I think, is a in-depth look at the multifaceted side of parenthood. And I think that it's important to give credit where it's due here, and that is to director Pete Doctor. And that was just one Pete, thing. Pete. <laughs> that's just one thing I wanted to shout out uh, before we finish is the first three Pixar movies are directed by John Lasseter. Uh, he's the creative lead, and there's this whole team. And by the time you hit uh, Monsters Inc. and Finding Nemo and, and other movies, 
the workload has gotten high enough that some of the people working directly under John Lasseter on the first two Toy Story movies and on Bugs Life get to lead their own mini franchises. And Pete Docter is the first person who gets to do this with Monsters, Inc., and then has just an incredible, incredible run. And I think we would say at least, with all due respect to everyone else, that he is not only the most talented creator that Pixar has, but I would say, and I am seriously saying this with a straight face, I believe that Pete Docter is the best director of the past 20 years. We, we will watch these movies, and the four movies that he's directed are Monsters, Inc., Up, Inside Out, and Soul. Those movies are over the course of 20 years, and I don't think that you can find another director, either in animated or in real life, who has four movies that are that good, and at minimum, who has a worst movie that is as good as whichever of those four you think Pete Docter's worst movie is. I just, I I know that you are an even greater Pete Docter fan than I am. Um, well, fun fact about Pete Docter and Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. Originally, when he first had the idea for Monsters, Inc., his very first thought was, what if this was about an adult man who was seeing monsters that nobody else could see? The end. Why? <laughs> because, you know, that's just like some good, normal kid content. Oh, yeah. Hashtag for the kids. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, and through the process of other people's input and him working on this for many years, it became what we see today. I think also he has said that having kids himself really influenced the arc of this story because he had kids and started realizing that there was this struggle that he had with work-life balance and Mm. how much time he was spending at home versus at Pixar. That makes so much sense because that is exactly what ends up on the screen. Yeah, you can really see... Him working that out in the movie. Yeah. It really shows you the power of working with a team and editing and collaborating on ideas to improve them. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because sometimes people put so much pressure on, you know, the lore. Like I was talking about the lore of how they came up with all these ideas in one lunch. But of course, that's not what it actually is. It's these tiny seeds of ideas that Mm -hmm. grow into something completely different. Mm -hmm. And it's a good reminder that even Pixar starts from ideas that maybe, you know, aren't exactly home runs. And I think it also goes to show that none of these ideas in themselves are great movies. They all start out as just ideas. And getting to this point is all about execution and building arcs and building meaning in these movies. So maybe a man who's the only person who can see monsters, maybe that does turn into a great movie, but it takes the same sort of editing and teamwork to get there. Right. Yeah. It's not about the idea. It's about the work. What was the first pitch for Tiger Story? Mm, There's a girl and it's raining a lot. And now you won the mother. Newberry. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) It's great. Big fans. We loved this movie. Honestly, I'd be excited to watch again. (laughs) This was 
<laughs> double feature night, but it's just Monsters, Inc. again. Yeah, just Monsters, Inc. twice. If you liked this episode, and we hope you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It tells the algorithm that we're cool. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time for Finding Nemo. We are cool, right? (laughs) Oh, no.